Father God, we just thank you so much that you brought us to this day. I ask that, um, that the fog of things that have happened this week are shared in the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning. That we walk in truth this morning when we hear your word. We just walk in your truth. We walk in your word. We stand on that, Lord. And that we're, this morning we leave here like ones not tossed to and fro from what the world or the enemy throws at us. That we're strong in you, strong in the Lord at all times. So strengthen us this morning, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. We open our ears, we open our eyes to see the things that you have for us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's funny, um, this morning, St. Patrick had a bit of an old call. You ever read his confession? It's very like Paul's in the Macedonians. Like it, and what I, what I get from that is, God is, God is at work continuously. You know, read, read St. Patrick's confession or testimony, whatever you want to call it, and you see exactly what Paul said. Like I, I had a vision of the Macedonians, and St. Patrick, when you read it, you go, I had a vision of the Irish going, come back with you. In Egypt, you know, and there is absolutely something prophetic this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, that's been released. And it is an invitation into what God has planned for Ireland. Uh, some, some years ago, before COVID, I was at a, a retreat in, in Wales, and uh, we were singing, and I was, I was outnumbered in terms of Irish people. There was only a couple of Irish people, and there was all, loads of American and, and Europeans and you know, we were, there was a, a time where we were all pray, praying for our country. And uh, everybody was shouting their country, for Germany, for Germany, all this. And I was like, what? I didn't have the guts. So this little scraggly voice comes out, for Ireland. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but it is funny. It's those moments and it's these moments where we step into what God has, has for us in the physical that releases something spiritually. So I really feel something this morning has been released spiritually. Uh, it's incredible. So if you've had a week like me, I'm sure you have. A week like this that we've all seen can lead us to a bit of despair and a bit of confusion and a bit of what is going on. Right? Um, sorry. Uh, I, I work in, in social media where I run a team that has to take off really gnarly content from a particular social media app and some of the stuff that's out there is pretty pretty drastic and i have to say i wrote i reached despair seeing the level of humanity the level of grossness hurt pain you name it the level that humanity goes to um and honestly i was like well thank god for jesus that i could go jesus what is going on here what is going on. So I just want to, my sermon this morning is about the journey that I went through to go from utter despair to going, what is going on in this world? What is the answer? It's, it's awful. And literally seeing right in front of my eyes what was going on, the grossness of it. But being led to the end of the week to hope, to mission, to vision, to seeing that the, the answer to all of this is, is Jesus. And that gives me great hope. Right here I am, joyfully standing and rejoicing in what God has brought to the world and rejoicing in, well, I get, I get when the scripture says rejoice. Because it's hard when you look, really? You want us to rejoice? Look what's around, what's going on? And you have us rejoice. So if you're there, the, the best place we can go to is Jesus. Jesus, what is going on here? And let him walk you through pastures that are green, that are beautiful, and so to show you what is actually going on. Because I've seen Christians take the other journey, go into despair, thinking the individual, like we have an answer other than what's in the Bible or in Scripture and not seeking Jesus first for these things. So that's the journey I want to go on this morning with you. Times like these, as I said, can leave us fearful, doubtful, and drag us into the fog 
and actually sometimes dispower Jesus, dispower what's going on and say, Jesus, and in my mind, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to go, I don't see your sovereignty in all of this. And, it, and I was honest with him. I was like, I think the enemy's winning here, Lord. You see this? The, the, the proud, what's going on? The good news is, I, I read something from Corey Ten Boom. God has no problems, only plans. Isn't that amazing? There's no panic in heaven. There's no panic in heaven. And I really rest in that and go, okay, Lord, whatever's going on, this is no surprises for you. There's no surprises. This is, you know, nothing is surprising. And strangely enough, where the Lord led me to was this place of calm that was supernatural. Like, like, it's utterly supernatural. And then brought me to a very strange place, I thought. Because I'd, read, I'd, I'd, I'd um, seen a, a sermon a few weeks ago and I said, okay, that's annoying. It's great. it was a great message, absolutely brilliant, but it didn't resonate for a moment, for, for the moment, but then the Lord reminded me of it. And it was uh, in 2 Peter, and I'll let me read it out. Most importantly, I want to remind you in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? Where is your God? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Evil everywhere, etc. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same words, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. I was like, that was strange. I focus in on the word scoffer. So there's three parts to the sermon here. Is, or two, two more parts, which is we're going to look at arming ourselves for the world we live in because scoffers will come your neighbours, people who go tell me about your God, look what's going on over there how can your God right, so I'm gonna, we're going to do a bit of a teaching this morning just to arm us because the enemy has a subtle way of going where is your God did God really say that the tactics don't change it's the exact same from in the garden really did God say that and if, if you're like me, I get that a lot. I see it. I get the enemy saying, what? Really? Is it really a God? And this is why during the week I have felt pulled back into the only story. The only story that's in town, folks. There's agendas everywhere, but thankfully God brought me back to say, I have an agenda and it's my agenda, and I want you to be invited into that. And I heard this in my spirit, there's a job to be done. And I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. And with that refocus, I'm like, okay, I, I don't, I, I'm not getting tossed to and fro, I'm not dragged into the pain, which is awful and horrific. I bring all of that stuff to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you help me make sense of it all? Some years ago, um, uh, we we, were, we went to, to Las Vegas and Lorraine, it was one of Lorraine's things to do, wasn't it? You wanted to go. The one thing that we wanted to do, a bit of blackjack, pre-Christian, right? Uh, but a bit of blackjack. Uh, we never did it because we were, Lorraine was pregnant at the time and um, yeah, we just didn't get to do those things. But some of the, some of the things that I remember was... Um, well, I remember the wickedness. I remember the, the pretty heavy stuff that was there. You know, one of the one of the times that I heard the voice of God rattle inside me was when when I was walking down the strip, and at ten o'clock in the morning. I remember the slushies. I was like, "What am I, the slushie?" And she was like, "They're full of alcohol." I was like, ten o'clock in the morning." This is it, right? This big slushie was hot and stuff. And then there was, yeah, naked women. Like literally there. First time I felt God audibly in my spirit say, 
look what they've done to my daughters. Oh, goodness gracious me. I'm like, yeah. It was awful. Then you see men handing out flyers. It was like mental. A few weeks after I came back and I had a dream about Las Vegas and it was on fire. And the foot, a big foot from heaven came down and smashed it. And I was running around going, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Call out, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. I was a very, very young Christian. I didn't get that. Maybe it's some time we have to go back. Maybe that's a mission that Liberty maybe one day will have. I don't know. I don't know. But why do I say that? It's because in all of this carnage across the world, we are called into the mess. I sometimes go, Lord, why? <laughs> why me? Why? I'd have nothing to give. But it's not by might. By the Spirit of God. He just wants your yeah. Right? So I want to arm you this morning as best I can. And I want to give you some, dare I say it, this is a bit strange that I say this, evidence for God? The arrogance of that statement, right? But as his son, I can say, stand in that and go, let's talk about actual evidence. Because you're going to have chats with people. You're going to actually talk to people um, who need this, who don't know God. And in, in Scripture, if, if we are to align with what happens in Scripture, they need this. The world has fallen apart. God knows about this, and this is why he's sending people into the harvest. If this is true, folks, we have a job to do. Ireland's call. Right? Some of the evidence for the Lord, or for, for, for God's existence. Because, like me, I've had so many conversations with people who don't believe, and they throw, so, they're scoffers. They're literally that. They're scoffers. They're, they don't want to believe in God. And all you can do is stand on some truths and go, and ask questions back and go, Really? So this is one I want to arm us with this morning. I'm going to go through some scientific evidence, right? Stuff that the same evidence scientists have that don't believe in God is the same evidence we have. And I love that. It's the same evidence. I'm like, one point, I see clearly that it points to a creator. So let's, we'll just go through a few of them. Then we'll talk about the scriptural evidence. How scriptures themselves speak for the evidence of God. Actually, more than the scientific one, by the way. So, excuse me that I put that one first. Right? And then we're going to come to the last and final piece of evidence, which I think won't surprise you, is Jesus. The pinnacle of all pinnacles of evidence. Because at the end of the day, I remember speaking to an atheist, and, and my question was, okay, we can, we can talk forever. We can really genuinely talk forever. But what are you going to do with the resurrection? You have to have an answer for that. You have to have an answer for Jesus. Like, what are you going to make of him? He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is what he says he is. What are you going to do? And you're going to be faced with that question. Like, you will have to come to that. So let's go through some of the scientific stuff. This is not an exhaustive list, but I'm going, to, I'm going to throw a few things out. One of the biggest evidence for, for God is the fact that the universe had a beginning. <laughs> now scientists really flap at this. Like you look at the big scientists out there, they're like, they, have, they flap at it so much God loved them that they go, well, there must be many, there must be what they call a multiverse, there must be so many universes. To get over the God, create the, the fact that it had to be a creator. They, they, so scoffers will believe that. Some people who don't want to believe in God will go, yep, Popped out of nowhere. Or there's a multiverse. There's millions and millions of universes. That comes, that's what's called circular reasoning. You end up with the same question. Well, who created then? Right? Okay, let's go. Multiverse, who created then? And one of the most brilliant Christian minds who's a scientist, a mathematician from, from Oxford, John Lennox. I think you know him. Hopefully you know him. If you don't, really good guy. I'd gladly say... Yeah, he's good teaching. Um, says this, the fact that scripture says in the beginning is huge. Scientists really struggle with that. 
we have proof that yeah, God's our our scriptures, our our faith tells us that we have a creator. The only thing in in science that every every other argument cause effect everything that has is created is comes into being has a cause the only thing that scientists would go oh yeah that's a that's a truth that's a fact then when it comes to the to creation of the universe that's when they go oh yeah we're happy with that oh no we're happy that something came out of nothing yeah no no but everything else you 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 stick to the law of thermodynamics and say cause and effect what is what but that they're happy with and again, if you read Peter, it's about, yeah, they're scoffers. They don't, want, they don't want to believe in God. That's the thing. <clears throat> Let's look at what's happening with... There's a massive telescope they've just sent into space called the James Webb Telescope. It's causing science serious issues. It's causing serious issues. Right? Because what they're seeing is they're going... That galaxy shouldn't be there. What the? What? They're literally scratching their heads and quote unquote, and you won't see it in science, you'll see little, little, little sentences in scientific websites and, and journals, etc. saying, we may have to rethink a few things. But it's in small. They won't give you that as the headline. Folks, God is starting to unveil his, his glory in the heavens, even through joint telescopes. Now, looking for us, we look at the heavens and the earth and go, wow. And in Romans, it says they have no excuse. Look at the heavens. Look at creation. Look at they've no excuse. I think the Lord is actually trying to get at them because he wants no one to perish. He even wants to get through. He's got through us, our arrogance, when we had arrogance in our life, our barriers... And he wants to get through to science. Even the most staunch, even the Dawkinses of the world, even the Hitchenses of the world who died a few years ago through cancer, God love them. He wants to get through the hardest heart. The fine-tuning of this universe leaves us with a question of what has created that fine-tuning? The time we live in in the universe and the fact that we exist at all is so bonkers numbers mathematically wise. It's unfathomable. Like unfathomable. Like numbers that are just so abstract it would blow your mind. The fact that we exist in this time. You know, the, it's called the goal... Like, you know the, the circle around the, the, the sun, that's called the, the Goldilocks zone? The earth has to sit in that zone. That's the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, too cold, perfect, right? The time we live in, in the when, 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 when the expanse happened in the universe, that's called the Goldilocks time too. The fact that we exist, in the, we could only exist in this perfect time of, of millennia, right? time we can only exist in that time it's mind boggling mind boggling the fact that we are here to experience and see it in itself is evidence of a creator one of the most beautiful things that I see as evidence of of, 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 of a creator the, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun right? The sun is 400 times further away than the moon is from the earth. The total eclipse is perfect. Just think of that. The total eclipse is perfect. 400 times smaller, 400 times away. Now, lads, that mathemat- like, that's, a, that's mad. Like, that doesn't happen. We have a per- to observe a perfect eclipse, the fact that we're here to see God's glory find that absolutely mind-boggling. But yet, the enemy of the world has put a veil over people's eyes. And there's also a scripture in Isaiah 44 that says God has veiled people's eyes too. 
DNA. Now this, look, I'm, I'm going to stop on a few others because I need to go home, but I have a list as long as my arm, honestly. But look at some of this stuff. I love DNA. Because scientists now say, this is a code. This, it is, it's a code. It's an information code so complex and so brilliant that they can't get their head around it. You, inside of you, has a unique coding. Unique coding. Let me read out what, what, what DNA is. There are four different bases in DNA. A, uh, adenine, thymine, uh, guanine, and cystosine. The four chemicals are repeated in different orders over and over and over again to create a strand. Human DNA contains three billion pairs of these bases. That's in each one of your cells, and you have billions of cells in your body. The order in which these bases are arranged is very important. It forms the code that tells the cell how to make different kinds of things. The differences in these proteins is what makes the different living things. I love this in Genesis. It said, let us make man in our image. God's very coding is in your DNA. Reuben's dad has written a book about this. It's in Italian. If you know Italian, have a read of it. Maybe Reuben, you'll translate it, you know, to English one day, right? But maybe a bit, a few sections out of it, Reuben, because I think he exposes it really well. Or his, his, yeah. There's a thing also called <coughs> irreducible complexity, which means, very simply, if Darwin is true, you have simple steps to make a complex thing. And he says himself... If it's proven that a complex thing cannot be seen through steps, my theory is blown out of the the water. How can you get an eye through simple changes? That's just a simple example. How can you get a body through simple changes? There's a book that I read once called um, Dismantling Darwin's uh, Theory. And this guy just said, where's all the monsters? As in, where's all the three-legged animals? Right? Where's all the mistakes that evolution has made in the fossil record? Because um, they haven't found many one-eyed, eight-legged... Right, but th- think of it, they haven't found things that are not in symmetry. One other argument for evolution that I found quite interesting was two separate continents divided by water, the same animal can be found. Same genetic makeup. How can that happen? Can't. Like, they, they literally were separated. Scientists would agree that those continents that weren't there, there when these animals evolved at the same time. Doesn't, it doesn't compute. But they would stand over and go, oh, no, 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 that makes sense. Yet the mutations on that continent would have followed the mutations on that continent, but there's different habitats. What are you talking about? And this is where the thing falls apart for me. Okay, cool. Let's go to Scripture. Um, okay, I need my book. Mal, there's a slide there. If you could slap it up there. It's uh, the one with the Bible on it. There? No, that's on there, Mal, yeah? Binoculars? I'll read it out. I'll read it out. This is from Vody Boucher, um, a really good teacher. Uh, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in the fulfillment of specific prophecies and claimed that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. Now, what I'd love about this, guys, we think of this as just 66 books. We just get the compressed version, right? Just think. These are, this is a collection. If you read the likes of Daniel, Ezekiel, Ezra, roughly happened around the same time, give or take, if you just take that and read them for the moment and go, 
Because the danger is you get into a two-dimensional book and not try and get an understanding of the background, right? The writings that they wrote and the things that they wrote. Exactly, right? The, amen. Amen. Is he all right? So, the writings that they wrote are so unbelievably in tune with one another, but yet they may not have spoken to one another. They're highly unlikely that they didn't know one another. But yet, when you read them in that context, you're like, wow. You can see the Holy Spirit weaving threads, prophecies. These guys didn't talk to one another. So this is why you've got to see Scripture in such a way that there are different books written by different people, planted in different places by God to weave the full story together and yet we get the, to, to be the end, to see the end product. But there's a danger when we read that, we just go, we just see it as a religious text. You know, like people go, oh, you have the Bible, we have this. Actually, hold on, no, it's, let, me, let me just talk to you about this, actually. Let me just talk to you about the Bible. Let me talk about Scripture and its cohesiveness. Let's talk about prophecies in Scripture. The likelihood, I'm going to talk about the, the, the prophecies of Jesus, just for the moment, because there's, there's so many prophecies. Let's, Mal, there's one other slide there, if you let the, uh, send it up there. This you can't see, so apologies, sorry, so I'm going to read out one or two. I don't know why I expect you to read that, sorry. Um, but this is a table uh, that shows Old Testament prophecy, New Testament fulfillment, and the probability. Some scientist, a mathematician, said, okay, Let's have a look at the probability of fulfilment of prophecy in, in Scripture. Right? So, the prophecy of Christ being born in Bethlehem, um, uh, that there was a forerunner of John the Baptist in Scripture, uh, Christ would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, uh, Christ would be betrayed by a friend, Christ would be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver cast down and used to buy a potter's field. Again, this is Old Testament that fulfilled the New Testament. Although innocent, Christ kept silent when on trial that he would be crucified. Isaiah, if you read Isaiah 53 and just take out that, the fact that it was written so long ago, have a read of that and knowing what, what Jesus went through. So this mathematician said this. Let us try visualize the chance that all of them were fulfilled, which they all were. If you mark one of ten, uh, where is this? Uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Suppose we take ten with seventeen zeros at the end. I can't even don't know, right? Like billions upon billions upon billions of billions, right? Of silver dollars, and lay them out on a space the size of Texas, right? They will stand two feet deep. Two feet deep, so size of Texas, many, many Ireland's, right? Now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole lot. Take a man, blindfold him, and say, Go, go hunt, find the one I marked. That's the level of probability. Now, lads, let's put that, like, if, you're, if you're talking to a scoffer, right? You're not there to convince them. You're just going, look, this, this, I'm fine with this probability. I'm, this, this is miraculous stuff. I'm fine. You, you go where the evidence leads you. I'm looking at my evidence going, this makes sense. It's prophecy thousands of years beforehand. Read Isaiah 53 with me. Let's do it. Read it with me. This is what happened to Jesus. This is prophecy specific Read the ones about Zechariah. 30, 30, 30 silver coins. His side will be pierced. And that's scriptural evidence for God. This is a miraculous book, folks. This is why we are encouraging you, all of us, to constantly be in it. Because it's alive, it's active. It's the word of God. It cleanses. 
It promises you stuff. It declares stuff over you. It's really powerful. And this is why, this is God's agenda. And this is why he says, stay in it. And don't be tossed to and fro. So powerful, folks. But I love the fact that when I learned that, the different lens that it's 66 books, different authors, all saying the same thing, some of which didn't have a clue who, who one fellow was from another side of town. That's, that's miraculous, folks. That's Holy Spirit stuff. And we get to read it. We get the end product. That's why we're like, be in your, get into Scripture, God's Word. Let it activate you. A few other evidences for God. Dare I say that term, but your answered prayer. Have anyone not have answered prayer? I have had answered prayer. Have you had answered prayer? I guarantee you somebody has probably prayed for your salvation. The fact that you're sitting here is answered prayer. That, think of the probability of that, folks. Forgiveness is another evidence for God for me. That w- what the message in the gospel no man could write. Grace? No man could ever think of that. No man could ever think of the story of a God coming to earth, taking on our sins so that we get a free gift. That's not the way humans do religion. Read the other religions around the world. Have a, have a go with them. Have a, no, I won't say a go, but have a read of them. As in go and read them. I'll have a go with them. But have a read. All of them. You've skin in the game. You've got to be better. You, 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 you. This is why it falls apart. Humans can't do it. God knew our hearts. God knows that we need restoration in Him and we need Him. This message, the good news, is proof for me that God exists. Because no one could have written it. Another proof for me is, this sounds strange, another proof for me that God exists is people's rebellion. The fact that people don't want a God is proof for me that there is one because he's given free will. The fact that they rebel against God. Scientists shouldn't even entertain, you know, if they don't believe in God, they shouldn't even entertain conversations about it, right? But you listen to some of the biggest proponents of atheism and they hate God. I hate him. And I'm like, you don't even, you don't even believe in him. Richard Dawkins said the following. I'm paraphrasing, right? You should get the video on YouTube. It is fascinating. And this is the apostle of atheism at the moment, guys. He says this. If Jesus himself came in front of me, I still wouldn't believe him. Quote, unquote. Him and another fella scoffed. Yeah, imagine that happening. Sure, it'd probably be a hallucination. Jesus himself came to him and said, listen. He goes, I wouldn't even believe him. I'm sorry. That's... Wow. Jesus did come. And that's why they're scoffers. That's why they scoff at what your belief is. But I'm telling you, I'm trying to give us a really good foundation that what you believe is not fairy tale stuff. The God of Scripture, the Creator of you and me, has left us the most beautiful evidences in creation, music. Just look at those things that stir your heart. I remember one time, I don't, I don't do this very well, I try to learn piano. Yeah, twinkle, 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 right? And I, this, I was being taught by this Russian uh, lady, fabulous pianist, and we got talking about God, and she goes, "You do believe in God?" And I'm not this intelligent, folks. So it was a Holy Spirit moment. I turned around and said, "You, for me, are evidence that there's a Creator. The way you play piano." Her face dropped. Like, how, how dare us think that we could come up with this stuff? 
God, God said to Adam, go, create, create music, build. Like, that's the, that's the invitation that we got and made a hames of it. But that's thankfully as Christians we're being called back into. Today's science, and I just want you to, again, another Holy Spirit thing, not me, I'm not that intelligent, but this is what I got. Today's science is giving rebellion an intellectual platform. Let me say that again. Today, science is giving rebellion an intellectual platform. Why do I say that? It's because even the scientific method is gone. Scientific method is gone. Observable, testable. They can't even do that themselves for some of the theories that they have. Multiverse. Test it. Observable? Have you seen it? No, I just invented it. Great. Well, that's good. So people's rebellion is proof for me that there is a God because he's written about it. He says, the heart. That's why he's after your heart. That's where it happens. Another evidence for God is your transformation. Not your testimony, it's different. Your transformation. Now folks, I'm telling you the proof of God in my life is because to a degree still am, I was an a-hole. And Lorraine is like, still are. <laughs> folks, your, your, your transformation into something better or somebody better, let me tell you, is not because of yourself. And I say that because of me. That's supernatural, folks. You stopping the bad habits that you've had and pray to God going, I don't want the life that I have and it's changing. It's a supernatural intervention of a higher power. No one has the power to do that. You can follow as many steps as you want. You can follow 12 steps to this, 7 to that. But the, super, the, the transformation of you changing because your nature isn't, I want to change. Your nature is, my nature is, I want things my way. Any time where I go, no God, I actually want it your way. That's supernatural. That's amazing. So your transformation is proof. And I tell you one thing for nothing, saying that to people who are scoffer, I've evidence in me. I changed. I am changing and I will continue to change because of the Holy Spirit in me. They may scoff at you, but that's the truth. You have not changed because of what you've done. It's you, you've given yourself over and gone, yeah, I've come to the end of myself, God, I've enough of this, thanks. I want you. Change. Fear is released. If you've gone through that, folks, I'm telling you, that's supernatural. Don't lose that. It's evidence of God working in your life. Your testimony. Your testimony, your conversion, your... From darkness into light is fabulous, fabulous evidence of God. Jesus set that in motion when he said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. You are fruit of that. Guys, that's miraculous. That is absolutely phenomenal that Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that Jesus turned around and said, go, and it happened through humans who you and I know are morons. Like, think of that. It happened. It got to you and me. The message got to us. That's miraculous, folks. Back that I, I just I, I just I don't know maybe it's just me I got that revelation during the week on why that's utterly unbelievably brilliant and then the other evidence let's come to Jesus as the pinnacle of all evidence folks I, I, I don't have enough time I just pray that this week that you go Jesus we talk, we talk about all the evidences for God well, show me. Through your spirit, show me. God turns up when he said he would and does the things that he said he would for you. Let's put that into context. God turned up when he said he would for you. 
so that you would be reconciled back on to God and have a life a fully transformed life away from sin white as snow and it happened I think the reason why people is uh, why Jesus is so challenging for people is because we've no skin in the game when you come to Jesus you can't you, you can't you can't say well I've done this I've done that and I've, I'm, I didn't I do well here Jesus says my offer is full it's full of grace there's nothing you can do God's holiness is so beautiful so brilliant you'll burn in it you'll burn up in, the, in, in, in his holiness but I have I'm the way the truth and the life come I've made a way for you and it's full of freedom it's full of truth Full of love. Let's look at the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the key thing for me when I talk to atheists. I said, where this is a massive evidence. Go where the evidence brings you. Lee Strobel, uh, you know this this guy, Lee Strobel, he um his wife became a Christian, he was a brilliant investigator, and he turned around and said, Right, I'm gonna prove you wrong. You're not getting into this Christianity nonsense. So he went and investigated. He was an investigative journalist. So he went to a psychologist and said, listen, hallucinations. What? It says here 500 people saw something. And the psychologist turns around and says, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection itself. Hallucinations are individual things. And then the fact that Christianity exploded. People wanted to, would be willing to give their life for something. All of these evidences for the resurrection. There's nobody. Eyewitness accounts. I really do. Any time I feel somebody is attesting my faith or challenging me I rest in the resurrection of Jesus I really do the proof is so overwhelming if you took it through the court of law read, read, read the case for, case, of, uh, case for Christ uh, by Lee Strobel I think that's what the book is called it's pretty good and you'll see how he just he's left with nothing other than this is true historical evidence is there's more evidence for the resurrection than Alexander the Great. Right? But we believe that as historical truth. As historical, yeah, this guy existed, this has happened, etc. There's evidences. So what are we to do with all of this? So why, why do they go through all of that? Right? So, is that in times like this we can lose the reality of what God has shown us, his agenda, right? We can lose reality. So this is why I feel the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, let's go through a few things. Let's get rock solid. And hopefully I ended well in terms of the rock solidness is Jesus, right? You can look at any evidences in all the world and all that kind of stuff. And there is. God, he's not a God that doesn't give you evidence, right? And gladly talk to non-believers and go, let's, let's, let's test this. Let's pray. Let, let me and you pray and I'll ask God to show you if you're willing. If you're willing, he'll turn up. But what are you going to do when he turns up? That's over to you, then you have to make a decision. So why do I do all of this? It's all good if we get all of this and, and we're filled with faith and filled with strengthening and, and going, yeah, this is great, yeah, it's true and this is absolutely brilliant. There's evidence for my, for my creator or things I heard today that I didn't know and just fills you with belief and faith and strength and that's great brilliant and, that, and that's what I kind of wanted but this is what the big game is still unfolding Isaiah 61 says this and this is the mic drop moment where Jesus was in the synagogue and he did the mic drop he opened up the scroll Isaiah 61 he said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn 
that the time of the Lord's favour has come. That's the story. Jesus, your Jesus, is still at work and restoring. That's the news we bring. This is why I could have lost that if I stayed in the current affairs, that I lost God's plan. Jesus is still at work, folks. And with getting ground by the world, you lose the story that's still unfolding. It's the harvest. It's still a harvest. You are part of that harvest. You, like This is why Jesus said, times will come when there's wars. Don't panic. This will happen. This will happen. But I, I, I believe he's saying that in the context of well, don't be worrying. And that's what it says in Thessalonians. Look, you... I'll read Thessalonians so you know, so you know I'm not waffling. In Thessalonians it says this, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. Uh, write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord return, uh, Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful, peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall mm. on them. And suddenly as a pregnant woman's uh, labour pains begin uh, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So what, what's Paul saying there? Don't be surprised. You won't be surprised. Oh ye, you know the bigger plan at play. You know this is going to happen. Don't be drawn into that stuff. Be, stay focused on what's going to happen. And what the real story is. And during the week... I was listening to testimonies from around the world. And honestly, that filled my heart with other hope and joy. And that's the story. Jesus is still at work at binding the brokenhearted, releasing captives. And that's the story we've got to get into. Mal, can you just put up the, the, the Esther 4, 14? Please. You can find it. No, no, the one before that, mate. One before that. One before that. It's the one with a nice circle around it. Kind of semicircle, oval thing. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. So we say this a lot over our kids. Because you know when you get concerned with what kind of world that the kids are being brought into? And then we all say, well, they're born for, they're born for this, for a time like this. And I'm going to say that to each and every one of you. You were born for a time such as this. You were born for a time such as this. Let's pray. Let's pray. Stand up with me, will you? And we'll pray. Um, so, the, to top all of this off, we're going to pray. and It's... Um, Hopefully you've seen the thread of what the Holy Spirit has been trying to do. The last thing that came to me this week uh, when I was topping and tailing this was um, Jesus, I felt, challenged me with the word disciple. And I, I, I'm going to tell you where I am with this. In Scripture, Jesus says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's three things there. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Now, I honestly believe I'm at the second stage of making. Right? I will make. So, I just say to you, what stage are you at? This wasn't just for the disciples. So, I ask you, as we pray, check your heart and say, Jesus, where am I at on those three stages? Where am I? Were you willing to give your yes to at least follow him? That's a great start. So, Jesus, I thank you so much that you came to save us. I thank you that you've done that. And I thank you, Lord, that we stand here today knowing what you went through, the cross and resurrection, so that we would have life and life to its fullest. Lord God, just as you said you've come to bind the broken hearted. You've asked us to be part of that plan. And I thank you that you've, 
you still have work to do in us, but the fact that we're here today shows that um, you've done some work already and you'll continue to do that work. And we just thank you for that. So Jesus, I give you my yes and say I will follow you. Jesus, I want you to make me into the person that I meant to be for this time. That's a difficult prayer. Guys, this is difficult. Uh, I even got, like, even during the week for me, this is difficult where I was like, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And I was comfortable with not knowing the answer. I don't know the how, I don't know the where, but Jesus just says, follow me and he will make. So do you give him your yes to that making? You have something to bring to this world, folks. You have a plan and a purpose over your life that is written by God himself. And Lord, can you bring us into scenarios where we are fishes of men? Will you bring us into the harvest, Lord? Those, those moments where we're open to the Holy Spirit saying, come, go, be. And it's the simple things, guys. It's very it's simple things. And you heard even this morning that there's a prophetic call over Ireland this morning. I believe it. There's a, there is a revival. There is a harvest, folks. And uh, I do pray for to the Lord of the harvest that labourers are sent into the harvest field. And I pray that courage in your hearts are stirred this morning to say yes to that. Amen? Amen. Collect your kids. Get a cup of tea. All right. Bless you guys.